Hello and welcome to the Sports Loft Podcast. Fantastic to have you with us again. And today we're going to be joined by a fantastic guest uh, to talk about Titletown Tech and investing in high-growth tech companies in sports and media. But before we get to that, um, if you like what you hear today, please do uh, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to go to our website, as ever, sportsloft.co, to sign up for our newsletter. And also follow us on social at Sportsloft HQ. So today we're going to be talking about uh, Titletown Tech uh, and investing in sports and media. And to help us do that, we have uh, Cordero Barkley, who is a partner at Titletown Tech. Uh, Cordero joins us from sunny Wisconsin, opposite Lambeau Field, where the Green Bay Packers play. And uh, I'd like to say a very big welcome to Cordero, who's coming onto the Sportsloft podcast for the first time. Cordero, welcome. Thanks for having me, Yanni. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation. It's great. And when uh, when the Sportsloft guys uh, prepped me for this one, they said Cordero's going to roll along with pretty much anything that you ask him. So this should be a good fiery one. So uh, look forward to getting into it. Why don't we start here? Tell us uh, what Title Town Tech is and how the title came about because it's 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 quite a it's quite a uh, a big one. Yes, uh, the Green Bay is effectively known as Title Town. So the uh, the American football team, the Green Bay Packers, is based here. It's the smallest professional sports market in the U.S. Um, and so it's a very close knit community. But when in the early days of the NFL, they won a ton of the World Championships, um, and so they uh, effectively, you know, was branded Title Town. And, um, and so play, taking a play off of that with the connectivity to the Packers, investing in our fund and, and being uh, so heavily involved with what we do day to day. Um, and the, the thought process of bringing and keeping technology in the region, uh, it only made sense to just add tech to the back of that and really uh, put our stake in the ground. Awesome. And of course, uh, famous from Vince Lombardi, the famous coach of the original Green Bay Packers and after whom the Super Bowl trophy is named, uh, which, is, which is awesome and has all those strong connotations. But obviously, the Green Bay Packers are not the only investor in your fund. Uh, and speaking about being invested in tech and media in the sports world, there are a couple of other heavyweights. Tell us about how, that all, how all that came together. Yeah, so, I mean, really, we, we talk about the um, improbable nature nature of having even an NFL franchise in a city with a population of a little over 100,000 people, um, and the Packers definitely fit that. But as we were um, moving through the process of getting the fund launched, uh, everyone realized that it, it would be much more significant to this region if we had a true tech partner involved. Uh, the president of Microsoft, Brad Smith, is actually from a town about 20 minutes south of Green Bay called Appleton, Wisconsin. And, um, and so Brad was in town. Uh, he ended up meeting with the, the CEO and president of the Packers, Mark Murphy, and went on a tour of this development that's adjacent to the stadium. Um, so it's like the work, uh, live and play space um, that's adjacent to the stadium to the west. And, um, and that's called the Title Town District. And he just laid out this vision of, you know, how this ecosystem would evolve and how, you know, having a tech partner alongside of this fund would just be vital. And Brad Smith says it's the most one of the most expensive tours he's ever been on because he committed to matching uh, what the what the Packers were committed to doing, and so uh, so they both were our anchor investors in Fund One. Um, they've since doubled down, and they'll also be our anchor investors uh, as we raise Fund Two. And so uh, so that's how the the idea and the partnership came about. Now it's it's certainly been fun to watch it evolve. I think 
we didn't know, you know, you don't know when you start any partnership, just what it's going to be. Is it just going to be capital or are they going to really engage? And uh, they've been a brilliant and fantastic and meaningful partner Microsoft has to all of this. Um, we look at some of the success that some of our companies were able to sustain or even uh, some of the disaster they were able to avoid during COVID, um, uh, during the shutdown, you know, I think, you know, Microsoft definitely had a significant part in helping our portfolio companies navigate uh, some of the trends and then get access to resources that help them either uh, thrive or survive during that time frame. And how helpful is it having a name like Microsoft or even a name like the Green Bay Packers behind you in terms of getting deal flow, looking at opportunities, but also then adding values to the company that come into the portfolio? It's meaningful. Uh, it definitely, I think when you look at one, the uniqueness of it, anytime you hear the combination of the Packers, like the Packers alone is a brand that just raises, uh, you know, lifts people's ears when they hear hear the name said, but then you tie it alone and say, well, the Microsoft and Packers are working together. Um, then people really get interested. Um, we've seen certainly for deal flow when people, now that we've gotten, we've had the chance to, you know, we've invested in 23 companies and a uh, little under three years and, um, those founders have been in market telling the stories of the additional resources that that partnership has, where we're not just a check. We actually do uh, dip into our limited uh, partner base and pull resources out. Um, those stories get out and more people, you know, reach out and are interested. And, and, um, and we've been able to even, you know, as we tell the stories of the, the companies we've invested in and the incredible founders that we've invested in, um, you know, that has led to deal flow. And so, it certainly has been been a major. Uh, I feel like an advantage for us. It's literally the only place on earth where the, where Microsoft has a for profit investment into a venture fund. Um, little old Green Bay, Wisconsin, right? And so it does bring some uniqueness to the market. I think the uh, their ability to again surround our, our companies with timely resources, whether it's people or um, you know uh, tech resources, is is uh, has been vital and um and we it's, it's interesting because it continues to cultivate i think early on it was a lot of us learning from them and then as the relationship has evolved and uh, continues to evolve you know it's been much more of a partnership we've been able to share things with them um as well and um and i think the the heaviest piece of this is you know they play fair with early stage companies they're not trying to steal their technology they're trying to figure out ways how to use their technology and and either become a customer or potentially uh, lead down a path of acquisition, which is really, really awesome. And does 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 that investment lens work from the sports perspective as well? Do the Green Bay Packers come in and look at this and say, oh, we could use this and therefore it's an investment? Or is it is the thesis separated from that? Is it, you know, anything in sports and tech that could eventually make make a, a, a decent return? And so I think one of the more unique parts is uh, they're definitely, you know, we have our five investment verticals. Um, and I can list those also sports media and entertainment is obviously one of them, but we also invest in, you know, digital health, supply chain, logistics, uh, advanced manufacturing and, and construction tech is one vertical. And then a segment of the, uh, or, uh, intersect of the agriculture, water and environment, all things that are, you know, vital to any place on earth, but really, really dependent, um, here in the Midwest of where in our region of the United States. And so when we look at, um, you know, our relationship with the Packers, we're our own separate entity from the Packers, even though they're an investor and, and a key stakeholder in the fund. Um, they give us the autonomy to, to make smart investments. And sometimes, uh, you know, we always like when things um, 
are connected in our in our limited partners. All of them are corporate, so we don't have any high net worth individuals in our in our fund. We have all corporations that have invested in the fund. So if uh, one of our LPs can find value in it, typically we're more interested to to uh, invest. Um, but it doesn't always just tie back to the Packers. And, and even on the sports media and entertainment side, um, a lot of the things we invest in, the Packers or um, um, you know our groups will use. Um, but we've also made investments where, you know, the Packers aren't going to use the technology, but we just think it's a really good investment. And so we have the autonomy to just make what we feel like is the best decision to, uh, to, you know, get a return for the fund. And as that is our number one, one goal is to focus, you know, we focus in on returns, but we also work with a lot of first time founders and that requires a different set of resources. And that's what our limited partners bring to the table. Hmm. And, and when you, when you talk about the sports media and entertainment technology, vertical how defined is that and uh, so how do you look at the checklist how do you say okay this is a technology that fits within sports media and uh, and entertainment uh, or is it, it is it an opportunity to kind of go out and find as many different opportunities as as, as possible in that tech space it's so unique um sports is such a unique space it's uh the passion of the fan and how people engage with sport. There's not a lot of logic sometimes as to why people obsess with the sport, right? Um, and that's what makes it so unique where certain things that sometimes wouldn't make sense in other um, industries are perfect, right? And they can scale mm. in, in sport and then even potentially branch out, but they may need to start there. And so for us, we really focus in on the data side. So uh, we talk about the democratization of data to enhance the fan, player, or venue experience. And so we start there with a very broad lens. And then from there, it's really for us, um, you know, we're not heavy into the fan engagement side of things. We really want to find people that are solving meaningful problems and uh, that would potentially use sports as a beachhead. And, and what we've come to discover are some of our um, companies that are really scaling the best um, in our first portfolio, in our first one, they have an intersect where maybe they started in sport, but they have implications or uh, possibilities to work across multiple industries. And I know we'll touch on Slate, but Slate Teams, mm-hmm. um, that group is a, is one. You know, they started, you know, content creation, um, you know, when you need timely on-brand content created in real time. Um, they started off in sport and made their name in sport, but now they work with a host of uh, the who's who in the enterprise side of the world. And so uh, for us early on, that was one of the things we looked at. We're like, I know they're currently in sport, but they're not going to be a sports tech technology company only. They'll end up broadening their, uh, their, their user base. And so um, a lot of the portfolio companies, whether it's in digital health or you look at supply chain logistics, they may have a lot of their um, initial customers maybe, you know, start off as the Packers or, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've worked with the Bucks or, you know, talking with some of the other sports teams we're connected to. Um, and then they end up pivoting into other industries. And, and that's where for us, um, you know, are they collecting data? Can they branch out into other other uh, industries potentially? Uh, we get really interested. Hmm. And for all the young Corderos out there who are listening to this and being like, that's fascinating. Tell us about your personal journey to to, to get to this uh, to this point. How did what, how did you put yourself in a position to be in the uh, Title Town campus and uh, and be able to pick up on that uh, fortuitous meeting with uh, with uh, Mr. Murphy and uh, uh, and the uh, Microsoft rep? You know, I, I um, that's a great question. I appreciate you asking it. Um, 
is is uh it may sound you know corny or whatever the case may be but it, it's literally it's been a lot of uh, a long time of discipline and consistency and so um i have an athletic background um i was a, a, just fell in love with basketball um early in my youth um really had a chance to excel on the court earned a ton of uh, scholarships to different universities uh, in the united states uh, chose the university of wisconsin green bay it's uh a division one so the highest level um, go badgers basically yeah hey well hey you know <laughs> <laughs> so the we, we so i will share in our program i was on the team the only team to ever beat the university of wisconsin badgers so uh, uh so yeah so we uh so ended up playing division one hoops oh sorry um, you it, it wasn't the university of wisconsin sorry that's my bad no yeah yeah so we were there's uh the university system and the Badgers, they're like the big brother in the in the university system. And then there's these satellite campuses, so UW Green Bay, UW Milwaukee, UW Stevens gotcha. Point, and we're one of the Division One universities that compete against UW Wisconsin at, at a different level. And um, and so I was, we were on the team that beat Wisconsin, which was a really big deal at the time. Um, but um, so I, I pivot that, play college ball, make a ton of, uh, of uh, uh, build my network up while I'm playing. Graduate in 2009, finish playing in 2010 getting to the banking industry, um, grow a wealth management career and uh, working with the bank. I did that for eight years. And what I didn't know is I started working with the Packers on a uh, financial education program for their rookies. And so as we built that out, I ended up working with the Packers organization for five or six years doing that annually. And then uh, as I was building my wealth management book, I ended up working with a lot of the uh, stakeholders that are tied to our fund now. And so the Packers were looking, and uh, and uh, Craig Dickman, who was our managing director, and uh, Jill Enos, who are, is our co-managing director, um, they were looking for someone with a sports background who wouldn't be necessarily um, starstruck by some of the people that come into our building, and then also someone with a fiduciary background. And my name came up, and uh, and everybody kind of had like a dub moment, like yeah, like yeah, let's reach out to Cordero and see uh, see if he has interest, and and the rest is history. Uh, I was presented the opportunity, and it was a no-brainer um, to be able to. Um, you know, really help ebb uh, some of the tech drain that was happening here. And then also, you know, kind of re, uh, recategorize the, the, the region and, um, you know, kind of created this beacon of, uh, of tech, you know, and we uh, have a very cool facility a little bit north of the stadium in the Titletown district. And, um, and so it was a no brainer. So I made the jump and, and here I am three years later, um, you know, no VC background to start, but definitely, um, you know, consistently, I, I look at all the opportunities I had to do something wrong when I was working with the Packers. And um, and so, you know, that every day coming prepared to be your absolute best leads to this opportunity. And uh, it's my dream job. I'm the sports and money guy. Um, um, my current role, I'm the director of finance as well. But I'm the sports and money guy at a venture fund tied to the Packers mm. and Microsoft. I'm like, I have a pretty, pretty fun gig. Yeah, it's very very difficult to beat all of those. How are you finding the transition from kind of uh, wealth management? And if you, if you don't mind me asking, you know, did you, did you have any athletes in that portfolio into kind of VCs and uh, and making investments with potential explosive growth? Like, does it take a mindset shift? Is it uh, and and how is it from a day to day perspective? It's it's certainly different. Um, I always thought outside the box, and so my clientele base. Um, I think like our portfolios had a little more risk, even though I was in the in the trust side, which is really the preservation of wealth. And so it is a complete three sixty um, in regards to the way you build out a portfolio. Um, in regards to you know you're chasing 
you know, that top tier growth opportunity. But the construction of a diversified portfolio, um, you know, for me, I did have an, a few athletes in my um, in my in, in my book of business. And so being able to work with them and then also having business owners in my book of business. So as we look at how we manage the relationships with our limited partners and the executives that are tied to the different corporations that are in our fund. Um, there's a lot of overlap in regards to the way you approach things, the attention to detail, the way you communicate, proactively communicate, um, the way you communicate when things don't go the way you want them to go, right? And being uh, being able to own up and and um, and share that news in a way that's uh, that's you know educational but also real um, is uh, there's a, a ton of overlap, and so those experiences certainly uh, made the transition easier. But it still was a you know it's a lot of long hours reading, um, you know. And then there's no greater teacher in this space than experience, right? You get into some deals, mm-hmm. get to lead some deals, um, get some room to make some mistakes. And, and, um, and you know, like they say a lot with first-time fund managers, we certainly, um, our first few deals, there was a learning curve. But after we hit our, our, hit our, uh, our stride, um, you know, we, we're, we're surrounded with great partners with a, a strong legal team and a strong uh, accounting team that's uh, also kind of tangentially tied to the fund through a, through a unique partnership. Um, you know, all those pieces start working together and, things certainly smoothed out really, really quick um, as they needed to. So it was good. Awesome. Well, uh, you mentioned Slade earlier, and I want to, I want to kind of use um, Slade as a, a, as an example to talk about how you guys uh, approach the investment opportunity, right? And um, where, where you think about it, do you really look at super early stage? Are you series ABC? Are you agnostic as to territory? Just, Give us a little bit around that, and and obviously with Slate being the uh, the, the Sports Loft member who uh, have helped make make this connection to the uh, podcast. Uh, any examples that you can bring from that process uh, would would be um, would be really fascinating. Yeah, I, I um, Slate's an awesome story too. So we we if you just look at the the thesis of our fund, um, so we are you know we have our verticals that guide us. Um, we are an early stage investor. The, you know, we're not going to be in those ten million dollars Series A's. So I think Series A's for Series A is for us is probably the latest we'll go. But there's definitely a, um, a limit to the size of the round um, of, of which we will invest. And Series A means so many different things nowadays. I just saw reading today someone raised a hundred thirty million dollars Series A, and so uh, so we won't be participating in the round like that <laughs> unless it's split um, so, up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we, we do like the early stage where we, where we add our most value, where I think our limited partners and the connections we have within our fund can add the most value to a, a founder and his company um, is in that seed stage. And so, um, you know, in fund two, we'll be able to invest up to two million dollars in, um, in any in any round that we participate. Um, our average check size in fund one was about five hundred thousand. I think we'll, we'll be in that five hundred thousand to seven hundred fifty thousand dollar range in fund two. Um, but that seed stage is where we really create a lot of value and, um, you know, cause you have that MVP product that's, you know, maybe got a little bit of testing and maybe they've been through a couple of pilots. Now it's time to kind of get some, some paid, uh, customers and our limited partners are willing to engage and utilize the, the product. And so slate, we initially, um, I'm not, I always share this, share this one. Cause initially when I looked at slate, it was so simple and so well done that I almost missed it. Like when I looked at it, I was like, this is like, someone has to be doing this already. Like this is, it's too, too, like it, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's simple, but it was so well done at the stage that they were mm-hmm. at. And I was like, like this is, and so, uh, so initially when I first looked at it, I kind of dismissed it. 
And then I happened to be watching an NBA national basketball game. So I was watching the Portland Trailblazers. And um, and they were doing uh, the last like couple minutes of the game. It's called Damian Lillard time. So they call it Dame time. Yeah. And um, and the graphics on their Instagram uh, page was popping up in my IG story almost like simultaneously because of the latency and the broadcast and the delay um, as it was happening in the game. And I realized that Slate was actually the group like Slate. They were using Slate's product to produce this contact and the sponsored content in real time. And so I brought it back to the team on Monday and I was like, guys, we got to take a better look at this. We need to get some real market feedback. And sure enough, we, uh, we reached out to the Houston Rockets and then uh, the Packers and um, the Minnesota Vikings actually sort of the Vikings and Packers are typically uh, like the, the most hardcore enemies. And we got along for this deal. And so, uh, but everybody <laughs> had great feedback, said it was a real problem. They were the kind of best in class uh, that they'd seen. And they were super early stage. They were still in the pilot stage, so they only had a little bit of revenue. So we called the Slate team up, and, and they were raising around and said, "Hey, we'll we'll participate." Um, and we ended up con- connecting with the with Wise Ventures, is the name of the Vikings venture arm, and we uh, co-led the, the the round of funding um, in that first round. And and uh, I think a couple of things that, to hit on that though. But outside of the technology, like the founders are tremendous. Like we really believe that the founders make and break a lot of times these companies. You can have the best idea. If you don't have a, a strong leadership team and, and a team that's obsessing with the problem, it won't work. And so we really believe in the slate team. And then obviously with our, you know, our ties to the, so we also have in our fund, the New York Mets fo- former ownership and then the Boston Bruins uh, ownership group through Delaware North is invested. We were able to connect with their teams and ask them about it. And the New York Mets was, were actually um, about to use it in their entire organization from the stadium down to the mascot, <laughs> their triple A wow. affiliate teams, their, their, uh, their, 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 uh, the New York Mets as a team, like they had like eight different uh, ways they were going to use the product. And so it's able to get that market feedback within about 24 hours. We were able to talk to five different people and validate and made the decision a lot easier to move forward. And when, when you lead around like that, how do you think about going out to get other partners on board and other investors on board do you do you, uh, is, was it strategic use slate as an example i'd be fascinated to to hear how you went about helping to raise the rest of the money and how it went with uh, uh with wise and leading that as well yeah so um so that round so i, I honestly say um they were raising i believe a million dollars and so it wasn't a large round and basically wise and and uh and us we split most of it and so that one was simpler we've had other rounds but where you know it does take a, a little bit of a heavier lift to to get out and um so a part of it is one you know looking asking the founder what they what they really want and what they're looking for and it's strategic um you know are they just looking for money or do they want people that can add value most founders will say they want people that can add value um and so it's finding that mix of you know the balance of getting the right strategic investors in uh, regardless of for us with regardless of vertical that we're investing in but in sports media and in, in sports media and entertainment can we bring in people that will use either pilot the platform or help with connectivity on the, on the, um, in the company. Um, but then too, you get to the point too, where you don't want to be raising for six, seven months. And then you also do need some of the just people that are believing the founders and want to invest, but maybe not be so involved in the business. And that's okay too. Um, and so it's finding that balance of getting enough strategics in where you can help the company move forward and, and get to that next, whatever those milestones are while also not being in a raise so long that, that, you know, they become, it becomes a distraction to the core uh, reason of why you invested, which was the actual business. And so for us, it's really leveraging the connectivity that we have in marketplace, 
um, building relationships, also, you know, looking out in the marketplace and saying who we may not have a connection with, but we can get connected to. That's one of the perks of having the Packers and Microsoft. You can really get connected to anyone in the world and picking up the phone sometimes and calling someone and say, hey, we have a company that fits your thesis. Um, we'd love for you to take a look at it. Here's who we are. Um, so some of it sometimes, you know, for us as a as a first time fund, it was doing some of that to um, help close some of these rounds. Um, but it is, it's a lift, you know, you could co-invest and not have to do any of the due diligence and verify and validate any of the uh, the numbers. And, and uh, you just get to kind of hop in and, and do that. And, and uh, it definitely is a heavier lift to lead. But it's uh, when you believe in a company and, um, you know, you can add strategic value and you can really help the company scale. Uh, that's why we ended up leading, yeah, I think, almost 65 percent of our deals, which was way more than we expected. But we ended up leading um, almost uh, two thirds of our, our deals in fund one uh, It'll be reduced in fund two. But we're not afraid to lead because of that. You know, we have we do have a strategic value that helps our company scales scale faster. So what's your favorite story of leading? What's what's the one where you went in and you were like? nailed it <laughs> well i think um my personal so you know let a few deals a personal one is a recent deal um, we did in 2021 uh called status pro it was just announced they uh they're in the vr space they just uh announced that they're the uh, one of the official vr partners of the nfl and they're working with facebook and sony vr to produce the first nfl vr game they just actually announced that um did their press release and their uh their trailer last week um, but that deal had so many moving parts and um, it, it was it was a roller coaster a little bit because we were talking to them before um, like people really knew about them and then they had we call it a pre Facebook call and a post Facebook call and, and so they had a call with Facebook <laughs> that really that really changed the terms and uh, and in a good way for the founders and uh, and I think everyone came to a fair negotiation. Uh, but that all of a sudden you had a, a you know the the 800 pound gorilla of Meta now excuse me um, in the deal and then um, as the deal continued to pro progress um, you know if you if you're able to pull up the press release you know all of a sudden this LeBron James uh, venture arm and Maverick Carter and Naomi Osaka mm -hmm. the tennis star and then we had I think six or seven NFL franchises involved in in the um, actual uh, deal who invested and then um, a music legend Jimmy Iovine and and so we um, all of a sudden you ended up with this very strategic, like Drake, like the rapper Drake is invested, like we end up with this very strategic network of people that can break down any door for this deal. And here we are co-leading the deal with KB Partners out of Chicago, um, really partnering to make sure that we, you know, obviously do our part and, and um, as investors and and um, and fiduciaries to our investors, but also like help them help Status Pro navigate all the strategic interests that they have. And um and then also set them up for future raises and so that's one of my favorite ones because it took like you're negotiating with the NFL you got all these you know stars and celebrities that are trying to get into the round and like and they still have to build a product and have to stay on task with their milestones they have for Facebook and Sony and so uh, helping the founders navigate that and take some of that lift off of their shoulders was uh was one of my favorite ones that we've done to date and just because of the star power of the round too you got to get the connected with some very very unique individuals. How how is the, the the marketplace sort of evolving? Because we've seen over the last decade more and more of what you just described, right? The whether it's thirty five ventures with Rich Kleiman and Kevin Durant, or James LeBron James doing his thing with uh, with uh, Rich Paul and Mav Carter, or, you know, just all sorts of um, different athletes starting their own funds and starting to invest. Um, 
is is there going to be is is the space for institutional investors at that seed level starting to get sucked up how's how 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 are you seeing that and how does the interplay between celebrity and um validating LPs such as the Green Bay Packers and Microsoft how's 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 that how do you see that balance uh evolving over yeah. the next few years yeah, I, I do think evolution is happening in the venture space, right? So you go back to the 90s, there were only a few people really um, investing in early stage tech companies. And a lot of the innovation was coming out of large companies, right? And then they were presented to the world and say, hey, here you go, guys, take this. We built it. Um, I, I just think you see an evolution in the space in general. I think this as this, the space of change continues to evolve. Um, and so you look at, you know, we talk about the, the, um, the, the, the rate of change constantly increasing every single day. Um, and so to be able to, you know, stay at that rate, that's not going to come necessarily all from large organizations that are trying to steer a, a, you know, a ship liner. Those are going to come from the companies that can move at the pace, um, and be agile and functional and, and uh, really solve the problems of the day and then, uh, be absorbed maybe into some of those companies into their tech stack. But, um, I just think it's a, a signal of the marketplace. You're seeing more tech startups, you're seeing more issues being solved with technology, you're seeing uh, um, more uh, more willingness to, you know, engage with, introduce, um, you know, um, implement early stage technology into very, you know, in the key areas of, of companies to solve problems that they may have uh, for their customers or in sports for their fan base or for the operation side of the business or for a venue. Um, and so I think that requires more capital. Um, I think that allows for more people to participate. Um, and I also think you're going to continue to see that trend grow. Um, hmm. I don't, I, you know, I, and I think, and I do think what it does is it corrects the marketplace as well. So those that are doing right by founders, those that are adding value, those who solve whatever their niche may be. Um, cause again, sometimes it is, I just need money. I, we, we got the team, we got the advisors. I believe in what we're doing. I just need to move fast and have money. I don't need uh, a venture firm deep in the weeds of my business and, you know, there's some funds that do that. And then there's some funds, yep. you know, founders are like, hey, I need that strategic help and they will help our company grow. And so I think everyone's going to have to carve out a niche. And to a degree, I think sometimes uh, being different <laughs> in some ways is almost um, just as important as being better. Uh, you know, I just think being able to add that value in a different way uh, is going to. So when I look at the athletes and the entertainers and, you know, the different uh, corporates that are coming in and raising a flag, I think also they're leveraging this space to solve problems either for their community um, or access for their communities, as we saw in 2020 in America, um, where access to opportunities uh, for all races became a, a real hmm. a real sticking point. And so um, I'm just looking at the participation. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's a thing. And I think uh, the marketplace will correct itself and evolve around, you know, this influx of money um, and it'll be what it what it is. And where do you where do you see sports technology? I mean, obviously you're looking at sports media entertainment but but you know specifically in relation to to the sports law podcast we're thinking about sports technology you know uh, we're, we're sort of getting to death by acronym right we've got ar and ar and ai and vr and <laughs> nft and you know web3 and you know it's it's just it's non-stop and gone are the days when data is the new oil and all of a sudden everything is the new oil you know you're seeing massive <laughs> sponsorship deals coming in from uh, uh, crypto platforms and blockchain uh, companies and you know all of this 
distill it down for us. Tell us what's 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 Cordero's view on kind of where where we are and what's and what's next. Where's the real where's the real gold mine here? <laughs> well, uh, Yanni, what you're asking for is logic in sports. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should started, know better. Hey, hey, I hey, really I, should I know better. The, <laughs> I started the podcast by saying, "Hey, there's no, there's a lot of times there's no logic to the obsession, obsessive nature of uh, of the of the fan, right?" Um, um, but no, I, I do think it's it's fascinating. I absolutely love the willingness of you know you look at sports they're willing to try things and fail they're usually ahead of the consumer market um the athletes get access to some of the best technology on earth a lot of that technology is just, um you know look at health and you know things that they're using to solve some of the health issues that ends up in the health systems that we go to and, and so i think it's it's an awesome proving ground um and i do agree with you there's so much um there are so many things, whether it's the different fan engagement platforms or the way they engage with the fan, um, the way they try to make the venue experience seem. There's just a ton of, you know, I think of even going through the, the companies that were solving COVID issues. So I look at some of the um, the remote ordering platforms. Some of that technology was stick. We've been in a number of stadiums now. People still want to stand in line and chat and get their hot dog, right? And so um, so I think the, the ability to have hybrid models, I think, um, um, and flexibility is key. But when you talk about, you know, you talk about AR, VR, I definitely think the ability, so in using Status Pro as an example, the ability to use data to put a fan truly on the field at scale, see the speed mm-hmm. of the game from that level, look, look, know what it looks like to see an, uh, a a footballer uh, run, you know, Messi maybe run by you at the speed that he would on the field, not from 30 rows up. Um, you know, that's why fans pay top dollar to be in the front row. Well, VR um, and AR can create those opportunities for you as well. And so I think, you know, that's going to have its place where you could literally put the fan. We've all been watching the game and say, why did he do that? Well, what if you could go into a virtual reality setting, the metaverse, and actually recreate that, that situation or recreate that play? Um, that's the opportunity in VR, in my opinion. And so um, I just love those you know, those different settings where those opportunities will exist. Um, and then you go NFTs. And so we've been talking with a number of teams and think of all the digital assets some of these franchises have that they're just sitting on, right? Um, or Web3, the ability to create ownership opportunities, whether it's, you know, virtual real estate or um, the virtual experiences around stadiums. It's just like, there's just so much potential through sport, when you really sit down and think about some of the assets that these franchises are sitting on historically, um, I'm just interested to see where it goes. So right now, we've been kind of playing it from a distance because um, I just think a lot of it right now is is really um, it's being socialized. It's, you know, I think some of it will come to fruition, but I, I do think we're kind of really at the early stage, the tipping point of what that space will be and how fans, leagues, um, teams will be able to really – engage the entire fan sta- uh, fan sector to um, create these experiences. Hmm. For sure. You know, part of the tipping point for me was uh, I've, I've been on um, NBA Top Shop for a while now. And it, to me, it's just like a digital version of collecting the basketball cards that I used Absolutely. to. Right? I'd, I'd rip a pack and I'd hope to God I had the Shaquille O'Neal, you know, gold, gold, <laughs> yep. gold rookie card and, you know, never got it. But you know that that experience is replicated, but then when it starts to tip into okay, we're gonna we're gonna sell an auction for an NFT for you to be a VIP guest at all five mm-hmm. of the next you know NBA games. I was like, oh now now okay now this is yeah, this is really different. interesting, right? That's different. That's different. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. I was very pr- quickly priced out of the market, but you know, it was definitely, <laughs> definitely something that that, uh, uh, that 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 you start to see the interest in. And then not only that, but you 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 create, engage, and deepen the va- the value of the community, right? And right. and that is that is, I think, where you start to be able to drive. Because again, you say you talk about the lack of logic in sports. The deeper you can, the deeper you can drag that commitment away from logic and towards emotion. And yes. and real engagement, the more value you're going to be able to drive for yourself, right? That's that's kind of the 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 way I look at it. So, are you guys going I to be looking? Are you, do you already know that Fund Two is going to be looking at at, at Web Three opportunities, uh, blockchain opportunities, stuff like that? Yeah, we're definitely, especially interested in the in the underlying technology. Um, but we definitely will be taking looks at um, at that space and and um, and again, I just think the 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 data and then the deep ability to use data to create an experience. I think that's again using the IP and and the assets that they have. I think I think one of the more unique blessings I have, my wife and I, we run a, a youth basketball program, a girls program called the the Wisconsin Purple Aces. Um I coach a seventh grade team right now. Uh, awesome. we have, you know, seventeen U down to fourth graders. And so one of the things that, that does for me is uh I get to watch the trends that are coming. Like how they mm-hmm. interact um, with different things. And so you talked about the digital, I'm calling it a digital collectible because that's what the sports teams we're tied yes, to are, are yeah. trying to call. They don't want, they don't want to be in the, the NFT space. They call it digital collectibles. But the thought process of like watching these girls, they all the time, they have like what they think is the coolest thing on earth. I can share it at any point with my friends anywhere on earth. Or if mm-hmm. it could be a, somebody I just met, I can show them that I have access to this on my phone. Um, I've been watching them even with some of the things with some of the the uh, the women W or the WNBA players um, and some of the the basketball players in college on the women's side um, and just watching our girls be able to share you know whether it's a picture or a unique thing they saw on Twitter like like that's happening now so I'm I'm also think of it as like we can't just think of how we utilize sports um, and how we utilize engage with the sport and and what our experience is it's, you got to look at how the next that next set of fan is going to engage. And that's been able, at least in my opinion, to give us a, a unique um, insight into this, like how fans are going to continue to evolve. Um, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So what's the, what's the most fun thing about what you do? What, what, what is it that, that really gets you excited? Is it seeing the trends? Is it closing the deals? Is it seeing all these tech companies come in? Is it building the relationships with, you know, money people and sports people is it something completely different i'm just fascinated on your view of what it is that that really drives you in this space yes <laughs> <laughs> perfect no, i'm glad i covered all of it <laughs> no it is uh you know i think the the most unique piece is you know every day you never know what you're going to see um and you walk in with expectations and then you're floored by like, wow, someone is actually trying to solve this problem. Like, I didn't even think this was a problem. Like, they just laid out the most brilliant case as to why this is a problem that needs to be solved. And they've left everything behind. They quit their their cushy bank job and they're taking all this risk. They're like, drive, they've been told no 300 times. And here they are, like, still fired up talking to me about it. And then they get it and then it takes off. Um, like that, I, that's, that's so fun to me to watch the founders. Like I always say the founders are some of the most courageous people we ever deal with, but I personally, um, it is a hybrid of everything. I think one, the relationships you build, um, across the different sports and perspective you get, um, you know, like it's fun to even watch, you know, I think the Packers fan base is a rabid fan base. We have a soccer game 
coming to Lambo this this uh, in July. Right. Like that right. fan base, that fan base is like committed. That's a different. I like that's a, it's a big that's a, like a, a major step up in it. It's like so fun to see. Uh, but then I also think like people are so willing. Like it's such a, a close knit network, regardless of sport. People are always willing to help each other out and share ideas. Um, and then for me, I'm a, I'm a, I grew up. I'm a big sports fan, so you know, like being able to go to the Waste Management Phoenix Open to watch a, a golf event um, and watch a, a PGA Tour event and bounce around and see some of the technology that's being applied there, or, or go to the. Did you hang at Hole 16 for a while? I did. <laughs> now, now that's it, an experience, it, right? That is an experience. You see 30,000, 40,000 people on one hole cheering and throwing beer and people have good shots. It's crazy. Uh, but then go to Daytona 500, you know, the next year and be able to mm-hmm. um, see, you know, all the intricacies of a NASCAR race. And then obviously we know what F1 is doing and, and uh, being able to be be able to see some of that. And then our ties with the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers here in state, being able to see some of the, the technology they're deploying. So for me, it's been it's been all of it. And, and um, as a former athlete myself, the competitive nature of, you know, one, identifying talent, finding the right deals to get into, being able to carve out a niche that fits your thesis, like that competitive chase as well is something that makes the job very fun. And it gives you kind of that feel of being in the game again. And so so I, I personally, I enjoy all of it. And, and the best part is I get to do it with a really cool team. I work with really smart people. Um, and, um, and, you know, all of us are trying to lift the entire tide. And so you have this greater purpose for what we're doing here at title town tech in regards to lifting the, the tide of the entire region, um, makes it even more fun. Awesome. Well, we're coming up to the, uh, 40 minute mark, uh, which is, I'm told the ideal length for a, uh, for a podcast and, uh, people tend to, uh, crash out afterwards. So, uh, with that, I'm going to say a very big thank you to Cordero for joining us. Uh, Cordero, thank you for joining us on the Sports Loft Podcast. Yeah, Yanni, appreciate you uh, having me and, and you've been a generous host, so thank you. Thank you very much. And for those of you listening, a reminder, if you liked what you heard today, there's more on the Sports Loft Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to like and subscribe and leave us a comment. And also go to our website, sportsloft.co, subscribe to our newsletter, and follow us on social at sportsloftHQ. Once again, a big thank you to Cordero, and we look forward to having you listen next time. 